Welcome to the Complete Manager Makeover Podcast, a management training and leadership development platform focused on providing managers and business owners with practical compliance and employee relations tips, tools, and techniques for every stage of their career or business. Our mission is to slash the statistic that employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bad managers. Not anymore, because we are transforming the human and human resources with the complete manager makeover. So the next thing I want to discuss is filling out the employee discipline notice or what I like to call the corrective action notice. We are dealing with adults here. And while, you know, it's a common word to use the word disciplinary, I like to kind of make it more in terms of correcting performance or correcting their actions. Now, keep in mind, this is one hour of a four-hour workshop, so we may have another conversation to include a, a second level of information here, but a few tips in ensuring that we want to complete the progressive discipline steps. We want to complete the corrective action form appropriately. Number one, have you checked the employee's file for any previous infractions? You're going to need that information because in your counseling notice, in your corrective action notice, you want to be able to list any history that's there. That's important so that you as a supervisor or manager, when pulling the last one, can clearly see on one document and not have to rifle through papers or screens if you're keeping the information digitally. You have that history immediately. When you've got that next infraction, you know, is it a first written warning, a second an opportunity for suspension. It gives you that immediate information. That's why that history is so important in that document. Does the notice clearly outline what are the future expectations regarding performance? We're so quick to say, you know, John did not call in properly, but sometimes we fail to remember that we want to make sure this is an opportunity to reiterate our policy. In the future, John needs to call two hours ahead of schedule or whatever your policy is, okay? So keep those things in mind. And then the next thing is the disciplinary measure is the level potentially able to limit a recurrence, right? That's what coaching, counseling, and discipline is all about. It's bringing things to someone's attention so that we reduce the replication, we reduce the repeat of that offense because we've made the employee aware that it's not acceptable and here's the behavior that's acceptable. So when filling out the form, you wanna make sure accuracy. If you have misspelled a first name or a last name, that's a huge inaccuracy that is going to be important should we ever have to produce these documents in a employee file for unemployment claims purposes, for litigation purposes, a misspelling of an employee name could completely negate or erase the fact that this is the employee that was given the documentation. It's that important. Ensure that you have their department, position. What is the date of the incident? What date did the infraction occur? And make sure if there's a time that's relevant, especially if you're a 24-hour operation, if there's a time that's relevant, indicate the time and then the date of notice. Now, a word of caution here. When we have an infraction, supervisors and managers, hear me clearly, you have typically no more than 48 hours 
whenever possible to make sure that you are documenting this incident, that you are coaching, counseling, or creating the corrective action documentation within 48 hours. Because guess what? If you don't, then it seems that it's just not important enough. When you have something that's important, you take care of it immediately. Well, ensuring that we are coaching, counseling, and correcting performance is one of those things as a supervisor that is your top responsibility. If it goes outside of 48 hours, then maybe there's a strange exception because we were investigating something. We didn't want to jump to conclusions. We wanted to investigate, check the cameras, listen to witnesses, find out from the employee, get the other side of the story, those kinds of things. And sometimes that can take time. But I caution you, make sure that if there is an infraction, you've got 48 hours. And typically, it should be done within the shift in which the infraction happened typically the next day, but no more than that 48 hour window. Very, very important. So it's very important as well to make sure that the information we're including, my famous who, what, when, where, why, how, you've heard me talk about this before. Those are the details that we need. Who was involved in the situation? What happened? Where did it happen? What time did it happen? What was happening? And if it's a failure to call out, do we have a copy of the schedule? If they punched in late or early or not at all, do we have a history of the punch detail? If it's a cash handling situation or you know they're responsible for a bank in your location, where's the charge slip? Where's the folio? What's the information, right? Where's the shortage report of the bank? Those kinds of things that you back it up whenever possible with information. If, of course, that's available and that there is documentation for whatever it is that you're conducting the coaching, counseling, and discipline or corrective action for. And then, most important, what is the corrective action required? The employee did X. What happens? What do they need to do differently, right? How do we correct the infraction. If they called off, you know, and didn't utilize the policy, didn't comply with the policy, this is our opportunity to reiterate what the policy is. We go to our employee handbook, we say page such and such of the handbook or the section or whatever, or our policy is, you know, Joe needs to call in within this period of time, within two hours or whatever it is your call off policy is. So we have a question and it says, you know, what if I was told after the shift ends and the employee is off the next two days? Well, guess what? When that employee returns to their next scheduled shift, that's plenty of time to ensure that we've investigated, we know what's happened, we know what level of infraction. And when that employee comes back, we let them know on such and such a day during your shift, this occurred and we need to correct this behavior. We need to have this conversation. So obviously we don't expect supervisors and managers to reach out to employees on their days off. When they do return to the workplace, that is the appropriate time to have that. And we can justify that period of time being more than 48 hours because the employee was not at work. That's a very, very important and great question. So let's talk about the next step. The next step in our documentation in the standard review form that we recommend, rather the standard corrective action form that we have is 
the action that's taken. Check the level of counseling that was implied. You should check the file, check the previous infraction that should have the history there. If there is a date of suspension, we wanna make sure that we indicate that date of suspension and also the day that the employee is to return from work. We don't want the employee going on a three-day vacation out of town and then, you know that kind of thing. We want them to know that they have a responsibility to return to the office, to the HR department, to wherever it is on this day and this time, again, typically three days from that suspension. So you have time to do what you need to do, make the determination for them to come back to learn the outcome of their suspension. Will they be returned to work or will they be separated from employment? And again, a word of caution. I want to make sure that supervisors and managers realize that when you are placing someone on suspension, you have a pretty good understanding of that employee's work history, where they've been in their journey, what their performance has been, because I would say a good eight times out of 10, it should be solid enough to lead to a separation from employment. And just not the right fit for the organization, okay? Remember that previous disciplinary history should be there even on that suspension notice so that whoever's looking at the entirety of that employee's work period has the opportunity to have all the information necessary. And then of course, get the signatures, have the manager witness it. If there's, you know, the witness signature really is if the employee refuses to sign the document. And I always like to encourage employees to, you know, if they refuse to sign, I tend to indicate, you know, by signing this, you're not necessarily agreeing with it, but you are indicating and acknowledging that we've had this conversation. That's a different distinction. And then, of course, if they continue to say, no, I'm not going to sign it. Well, you know what? I, I understand that's absolutely fine. Why not provide your comments here by giving us your comments? You know, we know what your stance is on this situation, this and that. And by indicating their comments, they're actually acknowledging that the conversation was had. So that's a, a way to kind of get some documentation that's kind of important for us to know what does the employee you know, have to say um, about it as well. It does tend to be uh, three days in general. There's a question about does the suspension, is it for three working days or just three days in general? I like to use a three days in general, realizing that, you know, if something happens, you know, on a Thursday, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is the operation going to get together? Do you wait? On the Monday, especially if you're waiting uh, for an office manager or something like that. So, you know, those things are flexible depending on how your operation works, but it tends to be three days in general, but with some flexibility depending on how you prefer to manage that process. So we talked a little bit about the signatures already. We have the signatures available and it's fine to have just you and the employee sign off. Again, if the employee refuses to sign, you want to kind of reiterate the conversation. It does unfortunately create some conversation to have to have again, because now I need a witness 
to sign that says, I did discuss this with our employees. So whether you have a documentation in writing or electronic, those conversations still could be had. And an electronic signature is just as valid as a written signature, depending on how your organization does their progressive discipline. Your last step in this process is ensure that upon completion of the form, a couple of things happen, right? Again, ask the employee if they have any comments, make sure that those are included. Ensure that, you know, if they have any questions, you know, that they realize where they are on the spectrum of their progressive discipline. The associate can absolutely have a copy of it if they choose to and if they sign the document. I am of the opinion that anything in an employee's file they should know exists by either having completed the document for inclusion in their file or authorizing it to go in their file or signing that it's in their file, uh, but for very, very unique differences. And so if they sign it, fine to give them a copy if they request it. And then we wanna be also careful about some of the verbiage that we use. If you've remembered any of the previous training that you've already taken, some of the things that could be considered discriminatory in any way, we wanna be cautious of how we go about wording things. They need to be factually based that who, what, when, where, why is critical and important. Stay within that guideline. Don't get creative and say so-and-so said, right? That could let rise to the level of hearsay. Um, so be careful about what it is we're putting in there and ensure that it's accurate information and not just hearsay, just the facts, exactly. So finally, I want to ensure that the conversation with the progressive discipline has a certain structure to it as well. And I like to use this discipline process to ensure that we're following along in, in a methodical way. That conversation begins with, you know, ensuring that the employee acknowledges that we have a problem. And that is going to be a huge part of that conversation is getting that agreement that a problem exists. Calling off at the last minute is definitely an area where we know a problem exists. So get the employee's agreement that a problem exists. Always hold the conversation in a private area. You want to make sure that the only time you have a third party present is if they've failed or refused to sign it and you need to reiterate the conversation, having that witness sign that the conversation was had. Take steps ahead of time to ensure that there's no interruptions. Don't hold it in a restaurant or in a car. You know, Try to find a private place uh, for you and the employee to have this conversation be specific and get to the point. We don't want to beat around the bush and how are you and how's the family and this and that. This is a corrective action conversation and needs to be managed accordingly. This associate agreement piece is probably in some cases might take about 50% of your time. And a coaching, counseling, and disciplinary conversation really shouldn't take more than 15 minutes unless you anticipate there's gonna be some back and forth discussion. Mutually discuss solutions. What is it that you're supposed to do instead of the infraction? If you didn't do your rounds, you know what is the expectation of doing your rounds? If you didn't answer the phones within you know, three rings, you know, what is the expectation? Have that reiteration. Discuss 
the consequences. What happens when you don't come in on time? What happens when you're late? Help the employee to understand the importance of their role, not as it just relates to their role, but the bigger picture to the organization as a whole. If we've got people late all the time, what's going to happen with customer service? What's going to happen to our organization in terms of the client fulfillment that we have? It's important to ensure that employees realize the importance of their role. And I think sometimes that's a missing piece. The next piece is make sure that you are discussing the mutual action. If I'm always late, then set your alarm. If you've you know, got no clean uniforms, let's get you a new one. If you're losing concentration, you know, concentrate on what's going to be done and what's the time frame to do it. Set the clear expectation and mutually agree that this is how we're going to correct that performance issue. And then follow up. I think we miss the opportunity here sometimes to say, you know, in two or three weeks, hey, Joe, I've noticed you've improved your attendance, your timeliness, your shift reports, the amount of calls you're being able to take on, you know, that kind of thing. Acknowledge that improvement has been made because that's how we motivate our workforce. Follow up, measure results, make sure that you can coach after a written warning or after a corrective action conversation, but make sure that we're not waiting months and months and months and, and then it happens again and we've failed to acknowledge the improvement that has been made, okay? There's something called the Herzberg theory on motivation. Top two reasons for motivation are achievement and recognition, right? Top two reasons for motivation of an employee are achievement, that they've achieved something and that they've been recognized. Don't miss that opportunity to recognize any achievement when it occurs and make sure that they have that face-to-face, -face, that written memo that says, hey, I've noticed you've improved, that pat on the back, that you know, good job kind of thing goes a long, long way. Now, depending on your absenteeism rules and, and how you indicate what's excessive, that's going to be something that you want to definitely consider as well. And make sure that you have some kind of absenteeism calendar, payroll system, or your human capital management system can track attendance and tardiness so that when it does rise to whatever your organization considers the level of excessive, that we're coaching, counseling, and discipline planning as a result. As a general rule, like I mentioned before, you know, three and 30, six and 90, two and 30, three and 90, whatever it is your organization considers excessive, that we are tracking that and that as supervisors and managers, holding our teams accountable to that. Very, very important. Now, finally, with communication and dealing with negative issues, that's definitely going to happen. Nobody's going to say, sure, I'll sign that document. It very rarely happens. You want to make sure that when dealing with someone who's negative, angry, or really enjoys conflict, that a couple of things are taking place. You want to make sure that you're listening more than you're talking. Get to the bottom of what it is that they disagree with, don't understand, didn't know, all of those kinds of things. Listening goes a long, long way in dealing with that negative or angry employee who might kind of want to give you a run for their money at this point. So definitely keep that in mind. The next thing that you want to as well consider in this process is that, you know, think before you talk. 
Okay. Anything. Remember, we talked about communication and how important that communication process is. Make sure that you're thinking through what it is you're going to say and always make sure that you're speaking calmly or don't speak at all. Because that tone, remember, has a big chunk of that communication. And so you always want to make sure as well that you're asking open-ended questions. Tell me a little bit more about what it is that you're upset about, right? Get them to vent. It's okay. You're in a role as a manager or supervisor that sometimes you kind of have to deal with that with an employee and give them an opportunity to simply vent. And then of course, ask any questions that are necessary. Try not to react to what the other person says, although that is a lot harder it is to say than to do. And then always refocus them back on the matter at hand. Employees might want to say, oh, well, so-and-so and this one and that one. And, you know, we also want to remember, are we being consistent? Is there some reason for this kind of interaction, behavior, and communication? So we want to take a look in the mirror at ourselves as supervisors, that they have that perception, but always get it back to the matter at hand. You know, Joe, I hear you loud and clear. You think that, you know, there's some discrepancies here, but let's get back to the matter at hand. And then I can commit to making sure that we are being consistent in our coaching count, whatever it is, you know, that the situation is. Bring them back to the beginning. Don't let them pull you off on other tangents. Okay. Remember, finally, as a manager, you are responsible for implementing the corrective action, the coaching, counseling, the disciplinary action, but it is the employee's responsibility to actually do the work to fix the behavior. Keep in mind as well that appropriate discipline at the first offense and those thereafter will actually earn the respect of your associates when done correctly timely, efficiently. Keep that in mind and ensure the process is fair, but firm. When you have a sure policy infraction, when you know that there's behavior that needs to change, be confident in the fact that that approach, right, that sometimes we call it confrontation, even though it's not, is meant to help you as a supervisor, them as an employee, and the organization as a whole. And ensure always, I'm huge about this, that the employee walks away with their dignity intact because of the way you've had the conversation to lift them up and motivate them, to help them be better in their role, and also ensure that you're encouraging your associates and saying, Joe, I know you can get this corrected. I have all the confidence in you. Just as we have all the confidence in the supervisors and managers that we're developing. So thank you so much for the time today. I look forward to continuing the conversation in coaching, counseling, and discipline and ensuring that we are building great supervisors and managers out there. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening to The Complete Manager Makeover. I'm Lisa Perez. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more about our community or training resources, search for us on the web, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at The Complete Manager Makeover, where I invite you to become part of our community. Please leave us a review and share our movement to transform the human in human resources with The Complete Manager Makeover.